0: Could be in here, he's all alone, and he's gone! Sensation
1: at Wembley from Sunderland, and Fabio Verrini. And still might, Phillips is clear, Kevin Phillips! The Nationwide League Player of the Year is now the nation's leading scorer of the season.
0: right in there, and go to his Hallow. and Porterfield! Oh, Porterfield has scored! And Sunderland, the underdogs are in the lead! It's on the far post, and Clark gets the cross, and Quinn wins it! Nile no, Quinn! It's there again, Charlie White trying to get onto that, it's even-
1: To the What The Fork podcast. It's a, another Wembley special as the Wembley days are counting down as Alex Neil's Sunderland looked to delight 44,000 Waysiders in the capital this weekend. And in modern day, there's not too many Sunderland players that can claim to have a 100% Wembley record for the club. But a chat about winning for Sunderland at the home of football and help preview Saturday's game looking further is a man who played in our Wembley Triumph just last year. Welcome to the show, Connor McLaughlin. Connor, how are you doing? Are you all right?
0: Yeah, I'm all good yourself.
1: Yeah, not too bad. Just nervous um as expected um before we move straight into something at Wembley as it's going to be the main topic of today many people have seen you retired uh, due to injury just gone April I think almost just a month it's only a month gone but how's retirement
0: treating you in the first four weeks um it's been yeah it's been good I've had some time with the family I've been able to sort of relax and you know take it in a bit so um I'm sure I'll get bored quickly but um I'm enjoying it at the moment
1: touching on the, the retirement for the people who didn't know it said that it was based on sort of medical reasons for the people who weren't aware what, what was the situation with your retirement because you're, you're still quite a young boy really yeah it all,
0: it all started off sort of January last year when I was when I thought I was you know starting the kickstart my career at Sunderland in the second year um, and sort of had a hernia problem and then that developed and the other things had different complications so I was trying to get back obviously in the team and And you know, pushing to get back for the playoffs at that stage, and ended up having a getting a stress factor from coming back too quick. So, sort of just all mounted up, and from there, it's just been a nightmare in terms of trying to get fit. Um, Managed to, you know, um, get to some sort of level uh, over the summer with the help of one of the physios at Sunderland um, and, and signed for Fleetwood at the time, but I was like only able to train maybe two days a week, playing with injections. Before every game, you know, it was just, it was, you know, it's, it got started to get a bit too much in terms of, you know, not wanting to have to be crawling up the stairs when you're 40 and, you know, got to the stage where I wasn't able to play without the help of, you know, pain relief.
1: <clears throat> have you had time to sit back and sort of reflect yet? Or is it two sort of early doors for that? Would it being
0: just like a month since you, you officially retired? Um I sort of had them thoughts already um, at the end of the summer when I was, Obviously, without a club and struggling to get fit, so it sort of processed, processed it a bit then. But um, obviously, went back to Fleetwood, which I was glad, you know, to try and give it a go. But I think over that time, I think I made it easily, easier, a, a bit easier mentally to sort of deal with it. Um, obviously, it is still tough. Any sort of any player will tell you having to retire three injuries, not um, not the greatest thing in the world. But uh, as I said, I'm enjoying the first couple of first couple of months, um, time off. Looking at the time you
1: joined Sunderland it does feel like a while ago because this stint in League One has felt a long long time I'm sure many Sunderland fans will agree with that um you signed for Jack Ross that obviously didn't last that long but I remember that summer particularly I think you were our first or second signing um sounds like an obvious question to ask because I'm aware of what a size of a club that we are but what were your thoughts on Sunderland when it came to joining? you came from Millwall you'd been at Fleetwood previously Sunderland obviously in my opinion a bigger club but what were your thoughts on it?
0: I was I was buzzing the in Sunderland. Um, so as I went in. You could tell. Like I'm sure some of the lads I played with at Sunderland as well said the same thing when they came in. The standard of you know training, obviously the size of the club is completely different than what uh, most players are used to. So I'm, I suppose that's might be part of the problem in League One, where you know obviously the fans are used to Premier League players coming in and being able to you know they're used to all the sort of all the stuff surrounding big clubs. Um, but I was, you know, I was buzzing to sign, and it was a great, it was a great group of lads, and you know, I was made feel welcome straight away. Um, obviously it was a, it was a tough period that first year, uh, personally as well. Um, but you know, when you're at a club like Sunderland, you just have to, you know, get through the tough times because you know if when it does go well, it's you know it's a it's a great place to play football. How bigger is that training ground and that
1: facility, and I suppose in some ways the. The expectation that comes with something competitive, like no offense to, to Fleetwood and Millwall, but, but clubs that you've played for previously, what's the difference is the main ones?
0: It's completely different. It's just I suppose uh mainly the expectation of well, obviously as a player you want to win every game, but that expectation where you you need well mostly you need to win the game, but performances on top of that as well. Um and obviously the scrutiny you're gonna get if you aren't performing, um, which you know plays a big part in sort of expose players at that level as well. Um, I think that might be, you know, why it's been sort of tough for the for the club at League One for, you know, what is it, four years now. Um, but you can see like you can see the team now, you know, the lads that have been there for a bit longer, um, and obviously the lads that they've, they've brought in have all had like a lot of experience higher up as well. And uh, there's a lot of quality in that sort in that squad now. Um and I think sort of the, the run they've been on the sort of last ten games as when Alex Neal's come in. Um you know it's been solid. They've be, they've scored goals when they've when they've needed to, especially the end of the games, um, which shows I think going into the final, that's gonna be massive film. Talking about sort of promotion and, and moving
1: on to the game a little bit and kind of totally wiping out three years in between that just missed out there. But um as it stands, you know, Sunderland are one game away from getting promotion, which is Sort of the first time it's happened since the first season and the player final against Charlton. We've been here what feels like a really long four seasons. You're obviously part of Sunderland's promotion push under three different managers, Jack Ross originally, then that moved into Parkington, and then obviously Lee Johnson. You've been promoted before um, from League One uh, with other clubs. You've been promoted with, with Fleetwood, I believe, from League Two as well, via a playoff. How does the pressure of the promotion side of things, i.e., with um, Millwall trying to get out of League One or Fleetwood trying to get out of League Two, and those sort of um, pressure situations, how does that differ with the pressure of uh, the pressure of going for promotion with Sunderland, be it automatic or,
0: or the playoffs that you experienced last season? Sunderland's com- completely different again. It's like obviously because you know where they've came from, where they've been. I was a Premier League team for a long, long time. Um, I was a Fleetwood. You know, we did have sort of expectation in terms of we spent a bit of money when when we were there. Um, you know, and there was expectation to get up, but it, there, it wasn't the same size of the club. No disrespect. Um, and this, with Millwall, um, their fans do have a lot of expectation on the players, um, and that can get um, obviously heightened as well um, if it's not going well. So, as I say, like with Sunderland, it's it's different in terms of where they've been um, and. You know, as like I've said the off off or off earlier, I was like with 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 fans, it's, it's hard, especially if a club has been at that level and dropped down to League One. I'm sure, like any little, any bad performance or any sort of you know something like that, it's it's heightened a lot more than it would be if if something lost a game in the Premier League. Um So I think that's the main difference. And I
1: think I touched on previously, um, obviously it wasn't in a playoff or anything else. It was in the Papa John's, it was known or check the Trade, whichever it's called these days. Um, you're one of a small band of Sunderland players who've actually got 100% win record at Wembley. Moving on to that game in specific, it's really unfortunate that for us and for you as a player and the, and the lads that won that day that it was behind closed doors and it feels a while away because we're back in with crowds, we're back in with fans and we're, kind of the whole experience of being a fan is pretty much back to normal. How unusual was the experience for you that, you know, you have all this expectation of something, you have this fan anticipation and then suddenly the fans are not there and you get to an empty Wembley Stadium and you win.
0: How unusual was the experience for you? It was a bit of a shame, really. Um, obviously, we're, we were excited and, you know, delighted to get to Wembley, but then you realise there's not many fans there, so you're missing out on... I was saying, I'm not there now, so I missed out on the opportunity to have... I don't know how many thousands of Sunderland fans, Wembley, and us winning, um, which could have been an even better day because when we won it, it the celebrations were. It was weird. It's just like empty stadium. What do you do? We ended up in the change room pretty much what ten minutes after we got the trophy. So it's it's a it was a shame, but like opportunities like lucky, it's came round again now for the squad. Were. You're gonna have thousands more Sunderland fans now at Wembley than you are at Wickham so it's gonna be a major advantage um to the team now um and it was, I think it was it was quite it was pretty similar to before whenever like we had a few lot fans in when it was with Fleetwood, but obviously we were playing Burton, so it was a lot of lot smaller crowd so when you think oh uh, if someone told me oh, you're gonna be in a final at Wembley with Sunderland, you're expecting you know massive crowds and it was a bit of a shame really. I'm curious to see your thoughts on... Because you you
1: were one of those players that played with the expectation of something in League One for for two seasons. The first season being normal attendances, sold out grounds. The second one being absolutely no one there. And there's a lot of chat surrounding is that expectation, is that pressure of Sunderland's big fan base too much for some players in League One? You've played under both. Um, In the second season where we had less fans, we lost more games at home. Going into the game on... um, Saturday, having that amount of Sunderland fans, yes, it's pressure, but surely that's what every football fan would prefer. It's better with the fans as opposed to having none,
0: isn't it? And I'm sure you've got experience of both sides. Don't get me wrong. See, the the expectation thing, like that's off the field. Like In terms of when you're preparing for a game, before a game, going into a game, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about your own performance. You're thinking about wanting to win the game. Um, The expectation stuff comes from off the field stuff if you pay too much attention to it. and with regards to like the game on Saturday now, I'm sure the lads, yeah, the lads are absolutely buzzing that there's going to be so many fans there. Um, they'll not be thinking about, oh, we're like even we're not, like, they'll not be thinking we're just because we're favourites. Like there's pressure on us here. Um, they'll be thinking we've got a chance to go up here when it looked like we might have, we might have been getting automatics then. We might have not even been in the playoffs. So, and they get past Sheffield Wednesday wasn't wasn't easy either. So. They'll be taken as one game. We've got a massive chance here. And another thing about Saturday, it might be a really difficult
1: question for you to answer, but I did touch on the fact that you played under Jack Roscoe. for a short period of time. You brought you to the club quite a long time under Phil Parkinson and then the back end of your career with, with Lee Johnson. Ultimately, all three of those managers failed to get something promoted. No matter what your mm-hmm. thoughts or opinions are, that's the, the facts and the stats. It's hard for you to judge this because you never worked under Alex Neal directly. But from what you can see from the outside looking in, why do you feel it might be different with Alex Neal on, on Saturday, and he might be the man to get us out of that division?
0: Well, initially, first things probably um, structure have been have been hard to beat. They've not conceded many goals, um, and they've had players at the top end of the pitch that can score a goal in the last minute. You know, which has happened a lot of times in the last sort of ten games, um, and I suppose it. it didn't you know they started off with, i think he started off with a few draws today in the first few games Couple, um, yeah yeah it takes takes a few weeks for any sort of team to and a manager to get the sort of a structure going and get players used to that um but yeah as i said like they've been so solid at the back and you know every any time well even when i was there's always been players in the forward areas where any given day that they can turn it on and score your goals but the captain on saturday will be Corey evans
1: He's had loads of doubts this season, and I'll openly admit, you know, not least myself. Um, I'm I'm on record saying I wasn't 100% sure, but he's really come into his own. As a fan, from my perspective, I can really see what he adds to the team. You're someone who's worked with Corey at the national team. You're someone who's known him for a long, longer time than I have. Um, what type of captain is he? What will he be saying to the players, and, and
0: what can he bring to the team on on Saturday? He's not... like. I'm sure. I'm sure you and the fans will be able to see on the pitch as well. He's not one of the, you know, he's not one of ones who's going to be ranting and raving at people. But you give the ball away he'll, still, he'll have a word on you. He'll have a word with you, like. Um, but he's one of them, like sort of common influences, where you know, even when we were with Northern Ireland, he was always picked for the big games. Michael O'Neill always put him in for the big games because know he's he's reliable. He's a good player, um, he affects players around him. And I thought he'd done that so well, and especially in the playoff games. I was Sheffield Wednesday. You could t- tell, like he was sweeping up everything in centre mid, um, second balls, everything. He just a common influence. Um, and you know, with any player, it takes you know some players take time to get used to different clubs. It's 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 completely different. Um, but uh, Corey's, you know, Corey's a brilliant player. What was he like in the, in the dressing room? You mentioned he was quite quiet. He's
1: not maybe what the Kevin Ball that we'd be used to, even to an extent that the Max Power that we had last season, very much a, a vocal captain. But I mean, imagine you were sitting in that dressing room on, on Saturday. What's Corey likely to be like, especially with the, you know, the players that are going to be in the starting 11 and maybe the younger boys who've never played at
0: Wembley? As I said, he's not he's not a ranting, rant and raver, but he's not he he's not just one to sit there and say nothing either. Like he'll he'll be up encouraging the lads. He'll be you know giving bits of advice. Um, he's you know as I said before, he's just a calm, really a common influence. And I think you need you need that sort of captain, especially on sort of you know days you know games like Wembley playoff final games where you need someone in the first ten minutes to put their foot in the ball to find a pass just to settle everyone down. He's that he's he's that sort of player. In terms
1: of, um, there's a lot of talk about character and overcoming adversity at Sunland, and we've talked a bit about pressures and things like that. Look, at the minute, the, the club feels amazing. And if I was to pinpoint one player over the past few months that I would say, you know what, you've been an absolute warrior. And I noticed that you posted about him um. So after the chef-wed game, it was obviously Bailey Wright. You've obviously been in a dressing room with him before. I think he's a little bit of a louder character. He's a bit more of the, the stereotypical warrior. But what type of character is Bailey in the dressing room and, and how vital he's, is
0: he going to be this coming Saturday? He's massive. As you say, he's an absolute warrior. That's that's one word to describe him. I've, I I played with him since I was 17, 18, when we were pressing the youth team. We lived together, actually, as well. So... Um, He's you know, he's one of he's one of the nicest lads you can meet off the field as well. And as a player, as I said, he's an absolute warrior. He'll put his head in anywhere. He comes off every game with cuts and bruises. So you know he's gonna he's gonna put his body on the line. And you know, especially in, in League One championship, you need that sort of player that you can always rely on. And um you know, Billy's you know, even the season I was there when he wasn't even fully fit, he was still making sure he was out on the pitch and giving everything. Phil, so that's that's the sort of that's the sort of guy he is. I think looking back
1: to when he first came in, he did, admittedly, in my opinion, and maybe some others have a slight dip in form. And Lee Johnson didn't play him at the start of the season, obviously played Callum Doyle. But when he going back to when he first came in um, under Parkinson before the COVID season, you could see how much of a difference it was. And, and his sign-in felt so pivotal to the team. You were someone who played alongside him and kind of a back three alongside a, a few other players as well. How big of a lift did he give the club at that time? And do you think he's finding even better form now than, than when he first came in?
0: You know, at the time, it was a massive lift because he was coming. obviously, from a championship club. Um, I was, I was in his ear to come as well. I was like, because he told me he was speaking. So um, well done, thank you. No <laughs> 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 no, I know, he just asked me a few, a few questions. That was it. But um, no, it was a massive lift, and I just said, like, when he first came in, he was absolutely brilliant. And I think he had a couple of injuries that you know. I think we try to r- rush him back a bit for 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 some big games. What a defensive crisis at the time as well. So that's why there was a lot of there's a lot of um, injuries and people coming back too early. But um and as you said this year, from what I've seen of the games and highlights and stuff, like he's just it's just the same old Bailey. He's just a, a leader. He organizes everyone on the pitch, and um you know he's he was a really good influence. I think we've kind of forgot
1: about it a little bit because of the, the situation of we want to win a game and you kind of forget about contracts and things like that. But technically, Bailey writes out of contract at the end of the season. I mean, it could go either the way. You don't know. He could have a contract signed and we know nothing about it. But say that he, he doesn't, he seems the kind of character that I want to make sure that he leaves a mark on this club with a promotion.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, the thing, it's, contracts is, is a strange thing, especially coming to the end of a season where you're still playing for playing for something and you don't, you suppose there might've been early sort of discussions or not, but sometimes clubs will just say, no, we're not, sit, we're not discussing anything until we know what league we're in. So don't know what will happen with that. I've not, I've not spoke to them about that, but and regardless of what happens, players will want, if they're moving on, if they're staying, players will, will want to play as best as they can. So especially now with, with the, the card they've got, they get at the championship Especially after so long, in, in League One, and you know that, that I think getting out of League One this season, you know, it'll give them, it'll give the fans a club a huge boost. I mean, just if, if they get out of the Championship or if they get out of League One, you don't, you never know. It can just go again with you know the bounce that uh, newly promoted clubs usually get. So it's 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 a big game without putting even more pressure on it, but uh, I'm sure the lads will be looking forward to it. Does it feel like
1: when you're in Sunderland as a club, like? it's just one of those clubs where it's kind of almost frustrating because, you know, it just needs a little spark, a little flick and you're going to have this like juggernaut. That must be kind of the most frustrating bit because that's why maybe this game feels so big because it feels like that might be the spark that gets something back to being historically, if I don't mind, if Wigan fans don't mind me saying where we should be. Um, does it feel like that as a player that like you just need that little push and that that'll
0: be it. The juggernaut begins again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can see the sort of feeling around the club whenever the thing goes on, like a, I don't know, four or five game winning streak in, in the league. It's you know, it's it's massive. Um, there's you know such a good um, feel good factor around the place, um, and even the you know the people of the club you're around day to day, you just see like them smiling, them happy when things are going well. And I think you know the boost that could give the place even even more if if they do if they do get out of the league, then um, yeah, it would it would be huge. Talking about um, the characters in
1: the dressing room, we've touched on Bailey, we've touched on Corey, but if we go back to the game that you played in at Wembley where we won 1-0, the man that scored was, was Lyndon Gooch that day, who I know he's American, but let's be honest, he's a Um just with a bit of a funny accent, if he doesn't mind me saying. But um, as a player, he's, he's often the source of debate because a lot of times players like Lyndon can kind of frustrate. You know, sometimes they can be the best player in the park and sometimes nothing comes off of them. I think it's quite clear, though, that he, he bleeds red and white. He's been here since he was about 11 and Saturday, again, like, Bailey could be his final game for the club. Um, from your experience, what would finally getting promotion for someone at Wembley mean
0: for, for Lyndon Guchin, specific from your experience of him? Couldn't even, to be fair, I can't even imagine, really, because he's been there so long that you know, I was there for two years, so it'd be different for me. But I'm sure him being there so long, uh, there'd be a lot of frustration in terms of he, him being a fan, obviously, being... Growing up there, and what's happened to the club, and you know where, where they've been playing for the years now. Um, he's, as you say, like sometimes fans can you know get frustrated with him, but that's because he takes risks. Like he'll try and go past players. He'll, you know what I mean. it's Most a lot, you know, it's not going to come off every day, but um, I think over the time I was there, especially I, I I thought he was classed as a player, especially you know. When I first came to the club and training, skinning everyone, so it was like, even my, my brother, whatever he's played against, he was like, "That Gucci, that Gucci's is good, isn't it?" <laughs> so, you know, when you know opposition players are saying he's, you know, he's a very good player, um, he's got something, and you know, um, he's done. I've seen him playing. He's playing right wing back and right back. You know, he's he's first to tell you'll do anything for the team. Um, he's, I think he's a brilliant player and. You know, especially for you know lads like him, if if you know they do go and do it on Saturday, um, it would be extra special. Is he kind of I imagine when you come to a the
1: club, there's always someone who back in the day for something it would be Kevin Ball would put the arm around you and tell you what something's all about. I feel like the likes of Lyndon Gooch might be that sort of person now. Um I mean, I've never had a conversation with him, but I can imagine something means an awful lot to him. Yeah,
0: it does. It does. Um, you know, people like like Lyndon and you know. Kit men and stuff like that. They all used to tell stories about the club all the time, like in the past, and you know what it's been like, how good it's been, and obviously how much it's hurting them where they are. So, as I said, I, to, to go and do it this year, um, you know, especially at Wembley, it's it would be it would be extra special. Um, and I think there's a bit, especially with Wickham, from when we played against them. I'm sure, there'll be a little bit of extra space from a few comments that were made. When we played against them a couple of years ago.
1: Funny, you brought Wickham in wonderfully there. It's almost like I sent you the script <laughs> beforehand. But look, Wickham have a lot of doubters. But in my opinion, they're a very difficult and a very good side. And they're there on merit. Um, we're not going to walk this game by any ways at all. And in fact, I'm a little bit worried in certain situations because we've seen how difficult it can be to play against. You've played against Wickham many a time. Um what are they like to come up against, especially as a defender, because the, the corners, the in-swinging corners, all the
0: things that we see on TV, but what's it actually like to play against them? It is really difficult. I mean, fans will just see from the outside, like they play a certain way, obviously, which they do really well. And it'll frustrate the fans because, and then it does frustrate us as players on the as, as well playing against them, because sometimes, even though you don't want to, you get dragged into their game. So... Second balls, basics of football are like the most important things in a game against Wickham. Um, but I think when we played against we played against them away. The um, I think we drew or lost that day, and then we beat them was a four, four or five at home. Fourth when yeah, or it's all about like sort of playing with a high tempo against them because they slow the game down. Any t- any chance to get um, do the dark arts well, um, and. You know they play to their strengths at the end of the day, and they've done. You know, respect to them, they've done really well. You know, come down from the championship and you know back in the playoff final again. So they're obviously doing something right. But as a player, like playing against that um, sort of style, it's it is frustrating, and you don't you shouldn't um, always try not let that get to you. If Sunderland do play their game and play sort of high tempo, it'll be hard for them to live with, especially with you know some of the players that, that Sunderland have got. It's funny you mentioned about the um things that were said in between games. That I
1: specifically remember that four 0 I think our Twitter admin had quite a good day that day. Unfortunately for yeah. us, typically they got promoted. But I remember specifically Chris Maguire, not a fan of attention or um any sort of level of shithouse. He's a very quiet guy. As I'm sure you know. Um, yeah. I remember he sort of spun the goalkeeper around when he when he when he uh, scored the penalty. I think it was. As much as the players will play it down are playing in the game, there, there is a bit of fight between
0: Wickham and Sunderland, isn't there? And you've, you've experienced it on the pitch. Yeah, the last couple of years there has been. Um, and I suppose, as I said, because like, of the way the player does frustrate you, so I'm sure a lot of teams will say that as well. Um, what got us at the time was, I think it was comments made after the first game we played away, where uh, one of their players said that we just turned up and we were acting big time and all that stuff. We are like... We were a new, like newly formed team from the summer. with a load of signings, like we're obviously not going to be walking into somewhere thinking we're going to, you know, walk all over them. Um, and that sort of I think that got her back up after that game, especially because we didn't win it either. But um, and then took that into the next into the home game. But um, yeah, like some of the just some of the stuff, obviously, that they, they do to slow the game down for straight players, and it sort of uh, gives an extra, you know, added incentive to win the game. Talking about, you mentioned before dark
1: arts, Ainsworth said have been referred to as masters of the dark arts. Um, but let's be honest, there's been a time when you were there, we beat them 4-0, we beat them 3-1 earlier in the season, but they've only actually beat us once down in League One. And I know that's touching wood, they might beat us twice. I'm aware of that. Um, but there has been times when we've beat them. So there's been times when we've counteracted that. You've been part of the squad that beat them 4-0. How do you kind of ignore that and, and counteract that on Saturday? Because we know it's going to come. So how do you counteract
0: it? Sort of just yeah, you know, preparing for it. It's knowing what's coming um and not reacting to it, as I said. Um obviously there's gonna be t- different times in the game depending on what happens. If something go behind, you know what they're gonna do. So you need to, you know, re- you need to be obviously I'm sure Alex to prepare them beforehand of you know, different scenarios of how to deal with. It. Um and obviously it's their their aerial threat as well, which Everyone, well, a lot of, I'm sure the players will know how to deal with that anyway. Um, second balls are obviously massively important and especially as defenders covering positions from flick-ons. Um, but as I, like I said before, especially with the Wembley pitch, it'll give Sunderland, I think, a better chance to play their own game. Um, I suppose if they were playing at Wickham's place, you know, that would suit them better. But Wickham have been there before, obviously, with Wembley, so they'll know what to expect as well. Yeah. Um, it'll be a tough game no doubt um, especially with the added pressure of the game I think it'll be tight um, but I think I think Sunderland will do it Talked
1: about certain players a lot through this podcast that will bring off a lot one player I haven't touched on just to sort of end here because we're on the subject of Wickham's Dark Arts So someone who's involved in those Dark Arts that's been at Sunderland for the best part of four years a, Mr. Luke 9, he's classed as a smiley man, but I think anyone who knows him knows he's well rehearsed in those dark arts. So he can be quite massive in terms of knowing exactly how to maybe get into Wickham's skin um, and kind of flip it on them on Saturday.
0: Yeah, exactly. Luke's Luke's been around them for years, so he especially him especially he'll know what's what's coming. And Luke's obviously not so innocent himself some in some games, uh, which you know it does it it helps the team when's winds their team up as well. So. Um, he'll give as good as he gets. Um, you know, he's he's a great lad, Luke. And you know, especially you know, as I said before, like players like like him and, and Gucci and you know players that have been around the squad for a long time, now in League One, um this will be you know extra special for them and I'm sure they'll do everything they can um and more to try and you know take this opportunity now because even as I was gonna say it doesn't around come around too often but we've been in the playoffs a long for a few years now. Um and I not well. There's been a lot of disappointments, so um, you know this. Depending on what happens with contracts and stuff, this could be some players' last last chance. So it's going to be, um, yeah, it'll be extra special to do one.
1: Couple more quick questions before you go. You've tipped us to win, so we'll take a prediction from you to end it. But there's the likes of. McGeady's played in, in games last year. You've felt the disappointment of the playoffs against Lincoln last year. You've got Ross Stewart, who's obviously going to be a massive player as, as well there. As a player, when you get a disappointment like you had last season against Lincoln, and, and some of the players will have disappointment against Charlton, when it comes to like a second bite of the cherry, does it become like you had that you can use those sort of scars from previous years where it becomes sort of weapon, weapons, I suppose, if you can use them and your previous experiences to make sure that doesn't happen again. And and how determined are those players that played in those games going to be to kind of make sure that it's it's not a, a third successive
0: playoff uh, failure. Uh I think beforehand I was well, especially with uh, after Lincoln defeat last year, I think everyone knew there's gonna be a lot of you know large turnover of players. So there's only a few players that they're not there still now. But um, it does give extra incentive, but I think you know you don't you don't need any with you know with a playoff final at Wembley. Um I think I suppose the, the carrot is enough in, in terms of rather than thinking about you know no player wants to think about losing a final or losing out on getting promotion again. Um, you know, I think it, it gets to that stage now where you're preparing for a final and you're thinking, you know, what you know what could go right, you know, what you could get out of it. Um as I said, I don't think they'll be thinking about that. In reference to final question, I've got to ask. Um,
1: I'm going to push you for a prediction. You said you think something will do it, but what, what's the score going to be if you? If you were a betting man, which I'm sure you're not, as a, a recently retired professional footballer.
0: Um, I said I think it would be tight, but as Sunderland the win, I think I'll go 1-0 or 2-1
1: i said three no so i've set myself up for failure mate but um <laughs> connor thanks so much for joining me good luck as ever no in problem. your retirement and then um, if you fancy a couple of beers in covent garden or trafalgar square we will be in there on friday and hopefully saturday night
0: and you're welcome to join enjoy it cheers <laughs>